Yeah, a person's mental health uh, affects basically every aspect of their life. And, and that's part of my mission is to um, reframe these sort of conversations with people and organisations uh, to a more proactive and practical sort of sense that we don't silo off mental health as some individual weird, dark, gloomy topic because the reality is we all have mental health. Some people um, confuse mental health with mental illness and there's mm. a negative stigma towards it. Uh, but um, I, I think of mental health as a real practical thing, as a bit of a skill set for individuals and for organisations. We have physical skills like running, jumping, passing, those sorts of things. Um, we have mental skills too, staying calm, focusing, switching off, uh, being positive, developing empathy, all those sorts of things, they're, they're mental skills. And just like we can train our physical skills, build our physical fitness, uh, we can train our mental skills and uh, build our mental fitness as well. Now sit back and relax while we take a deep dive and be inspired to take action on improving your business. Here's your host, Stephen Sandor. The interview you are about to hear with Dave Shillington was recorded in October 2020. It was the very first interview that I had conducted for the Inspiring Business podcast. In fact, we call it the Inspiring Business Chat because I hadn't really figured out what I was going to call it. We may go, actually go back to the chat. I like that idea. You'll hear some references to Cameron Smith, who's the ex now ex-Melbourne Storm player as a current player. So uh, that's how old this podcast is. But it's a really important part of business where Dave talks about mental health. So I really recommend this interview to you. It, you'll hear it, it, it's, it's a bit clunky. Um, the audio isn't as quite as good as what we currently have now. And it ends a little abruptly because of my amateur first attempt at podcasting. But I hope you listen through all the way to the end because it has some really powerful statements. I hope you enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the Inspiring Business Chatroom. Uh, my guest today is Dave Shillington, former NRL player, played for Australia, Canberra Raiders, East, uh, East Roosters, and finished up at the Titans. Um, welcome, Dave. Uh, thanks, Steve. You, you might be showing your age there, calling them the East Roosters. Uh, <laughs> I've been called that since the 70s. but uh, Well, that's when I was going to watch them. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely showing my age. You can tell by my hair. So uh, first question I'd like to ask you is you've got a couple of kids, Eve and, uh, and Ted. What do, they, what do they teach you? Oh, yeah, Eve and Ted, they... Um... Oh, probably a couple of things. Time time management is uh, something they force you into. Having, I guess, uh, you know, running running a business and uh, trying to exercise and pay attention to your wife, but also give them the time they need and deserve. But um, but also another sort of social skill I reckon is um, is concentration and, and and proper engagement with people. Uh, you know, listening properly, not doing other things uh, while you're supposed to be talking and listening to the other person, like using your mobile if someone's telling you a story, um, some of those sort of uh, lazy habits we get into as parents and, and sometimes as friends too. You know, the kids get pretty sensitive if I'm doing that and they pull me up on it. So, um, yeah, I've definitely got better at it that if, uh, if, you know, if they want to have a conversation and, and play and do things, I want to be present for them and engaged, not sort of half interested and, and one foot in, one foot out of the conversation. Mm. And, and does that translate into, into the communication that you're having with people now? It does, yeah. It's, it def definitely helps me become a better listener 
sometimes we could be stuck in our own thoughts and um, replaying events of the day or our life or thinking about the future. You know, not many people uh, don't have a busy life these days. We've all got plenty on the go. Um, very, if it's not, you know, our work or our social life, we're consumed with our devices and information we're processing from that. Yeah, there's a lot of fight for our thoughts and attention. I think, um, I think uh, making the commitment to my kids to, to be more engaged and present with them, it's helped me with other relationships too. And I've, I've definitely become a, a more attentive listener. Pet parenthood does a number of things to you. One of them is that they definitely seek your attention. Could you tell me, what are you up to at the moment? Um, you, you obviously retired from uh, football a, a number of years ago. What's been happening with you since retirement? Yeah, uh, it's been an interesting uh, three years. Uh, when you, uh, when I left school, I went straight into the football system. So, um, yeah, 16 years later, I, I sort of got um, spat out the other end of it. And um, it, was a, it was a wonderful ride and adventure. And um, you know, I learned so much about myself and uh, made lots of good friends at uh, yeah, I'm really appreciative of such, such a lengthy career. Uh, but yeah, these things don't last forever. And I was, I was pretty lucky. I was about 33, 34 when I retired. Uh, so 37 now. And um, these days I, I run a, a mental health and wellbeing uh, business. I guess the premise of the business is, is using a lot of these um, stories uh, from my own life, my own experience, and from being a professional sports person to really just engage in those conversations with people. Uh, people that might not normally want to have a conversation around mental health and well-being, uh, but also the people that are really interested too. So, uh, yeah, that's that's where my passion lies. When I did retire three years ago, I started working with the NRL on their mental health education program. Uh, they had a wonderful program called the State of Mind program, and we we toured all around Australia, talking to um, junior sporting clubs and corporates and things like that. So, yeah, I really took a liking to it, and I wanted to do things, I guess, um, on on my own and outside of the rugby league world and involve athletes from other sports, young and old, male and female, uh, not just do, yeah, the rugby league world, I'm going to go into schools and wanted to go to the workplaces and so on. So, yeah, I've been doing that, um, yeah, the second half of this year and um, really loving it. It's, it's a lot of it's a lot of hard work, but um, when, when you're doing something you love, which, which I am doing, um, it, it definitely feels all worth it. So when you were playing um, rugby league, and I'd like to come back to point because I know you talk about some of the mental challenges that you had as a you know six foot what are you six foot five something like that yeah. <laughs> you know big burly um, front row forward yeah. meant to be tough and and you know we're all we're all mushy on the inside yeah but what's the so as a professional athlete and running your own business what what are the differences and the challenges and, and maybe which one's harder mm. I guess um, first and foremost, um, these days I don't get many physical injuries. <laughs> um, yeah, some some athletes go out through throughout their career and and they rarely get injured. Like um, like someone like Cameron Smith, who's still running around the NRL and he, he's my age. Um, others, you know, they don't make it past the age of twenty in sport and they have to retire early. I wasn't that drastic with my injuries, but I did have ten rounds of surgery, so um, that was that was really challenging. You know, for 16 years, you, you live this vulnerable life thinking, is this my um, my last contract? <laughs> is today my last training session? Uh, because I saw heaps of mates that that happened. Um, they've got mortgages and families and uh, we'd go to training and they'd hurt themselves at training and then that was it. So, um, you know, it literally was that cutthroat. But I guess some of the things that are similar and, and when I first retired, uh, I had to do a lot of, I guess, um, 
developing or understanding, realizing as a person what skills I did have that were transferable uh, off the sporting packet into the business world. Uh, and what it came down to was just the real simple things like those interpersonal skills, punctuality, um, goal setting, working hard, working in a team, being, being able to be a leader, but then also a follower as well, being uh, coachable. Um, a few of those sort of qualities, uh, I guess I had, that were just normal to me, have helped me a lot in the business world. Uh, so I love working with other people. I love working with teams. I've always had a real sense of appreciation for the community in that um, when, when I played, the clubs would always have members and uh, attendees for games. They'd buy merchandise. They'd come and support you. And so I really thought like I, I never had, I would have had a career if it wasn't for the community, if it wasn't for the fans. Um, so I, I've always felt, I guess, indebted and to them and, and connected to them. Uh, and I feel the same way now with my business. It's it's the drive in me is to provide you know, um, more solutions, I guess, and better environments uh, for, for people in the workplace and in schools. And um, and so hopefully if I can achieve that, yeah, I've done something good for the community and a bit of my way of thanking them, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, sporting um, clubs and, and tribes have such a common relationship to business in that they're... The fans of football club are the customers of the of the business. So as you go through, um, it, obviously you're dealing more with businesses now and the, and talking to people about the the mental health side of things. Culture within an within organisations does that come up often as an as an issue when you're talking about mental health? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a, a person's mental health uh, affects basically every aspect of their life. And, and that's part of my mission is to um, reframe these sort of conversations with people and organisations uh, to a more proactive and practical sort of sense that we don't silo off mental health as some individual weird, dark, gloomy topic because the reality is we all have mental health. Some people um, confuse mental health for mental illness and mm. a negative stigma towards it. Uh, but um, I, I think of mental health as a real practical thing, as, as a bit of a skill set for individuals and for organisations. We have physical skills like running, jumping, passing, those sorts of things. Um, we have mental skills too, staying calm, focusing, switching off, uh, being positive, developing empathy, all those sorts of things. They're, they're mental skills. And just like we can train our physical skills, build our physical fitness, uh, we can train our mental skills and uh, build our mental fitness as well. And so someone in the workplace um, if they're uh, mentally fit, they're resilient, they've got a great emotional capacity, yeah, they're going to work better as a teammate. They're going to give and receive feedback better. Uh, they're going to be more positive and uh, know their, their value in the workplace, know what they can contribute meaningfully, productively, uh, and they're going to represent the brand a lot better uh, externally as well, whether it's a, a customer service face-to-face -face thing or in their social circles too, they could be an advocate for that brand. Uh, so, yeah, it's the same, obviously, in, in a sporting context as well. I mean, we need, you want teammates that are going to buy into the culture and, and perform at their best. Yeah, we use that. We use a, um, those same parallels uh, in the workplace. So I, I really try and present mental health education and, and proactivity um, as something individuals can do, help them get the best out of work and their, and their social life, their family, uh, but then organisations too to foster a workplace where people can come in and really thrive and in turn, that organisation it functions optimally. And when you were playing for the Roosters, Freddie Pittler was your coach at the time, um, and I know that you talk about a, a 
particular incident, or not an incident, but a, a situation where Freddie came up and asked you how you were going. Would, would you mind? Because that you, you use, if I understand it correctly, you use that as a personal experience where when you're talking to you know the the audience, if you like, um, to yeah. try and break down that that stigma. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really open uh, about, I guess, um, yeah, having ups and downs in my life uh, because I know that it's normal. <laughs> Everybody yeah. has ups and downs, uh, and uh, you know, when I was a professional athlete, it was normal for us all to train 30, 35 hours per week, and that training was predominantly on our physical fitness. As I mentioned before, that, that's only one half of the equation for people. So we're nice and big and strong and fast. And um, but uh, you know, being a professional sports person, um, there's a lot of ups and downs. And, and when you really ride that wave, it can be pretty emotional for you. Uh, you're constantly under public scrutiny, and um, you have injuries and self-doubt and poor form, non-selection. Uh, but then you're also a human being too. You have relationship breakdowns, financial issues, and and all those sorts of things that everybody else in the world uh, experiences. Uh, so I really found myself struggling, I guess, with those ups and downs um, early in my career. Uh, and I didn't really realize I was doing it at the time, but I guess I was probably withdrawn from the group a bit. And, uh, you know, when all the boys were kicking the footy around, having a laugh before training, I sort of found myself to the side, just sort of doing my stretches quietly and, and keeping to myself. Uh, but I guess uh, because I didn't notice that became my new norm, I sort of recalibrated what I thought was normal and was acceptable and was just me. Uh, but I was really lucky that my coach um, at the time, yeah, Freddie, he, um, you know, he decided to reach out and, and make sure I was, I was taking care of myself and I was doing okay. He told me one time, you know, it's, it's okay if you're not okay. But thought about seeing a counsellor. And I was like, a counsellor? Gosh, and I was a bit taken aback by it. Um, as you say, I'm six foot five, 115 kilo. I was a front row for the Sydney Roosters and um, I was a bit embarrassed too because, you know, he was my coach and he wants me to run over the top of other players and, and assert my dominance and aggression. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if I'm talking about my emotions and not handling things well, you know, how's that going to reflect on my ability to play in this team? Uh, so I was like, oh, I'll be right. Thanks, mate. But, um, yeah, appreciate the uh, comment. And uh, But what he said next was um, he really disarmed me. He said, I want you guys to see the guy I see. I was like, oh, you're Freddie Fittler. Why would you want to see anybody? And he said, oh, no, it's not because i got anything major going on, but I just like to get things off my chest and make sure they don't build up and become overwhelming on, uh, for me. And I thought, you know what? If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. Uh, and as a young person, sometimes as an old person, you don't understand that concept of getting things off your chest. Um, sometimes we leave it to the last minute and wait till things are really bad before we seek help. So, um, uh, you know, Freddie was an absolute genius and very practical when it came like that came to that uh, but anyway I went to um, his counsellor um, Angus I went to his house he lives around the corner in Centennial Park and um, Angus welcomed me into his home he's a lovely man and regardless of how friendly he was I still uh, felt pretty apprehensive that one grown man uh, talking to another about his emotions and you know I was strutting around all day as a front row in rugby league and trying to be tough and um, didn't want to show any sort of weakness but you know he's trained to have these sort of conversations with people you know this is his job and um he spoken to people in much worse situations than I was in. So he knew how to make me feel really comfortable and I guess warm and open to speak freely. And you know, he got me talking and got me talking a bit more and a bit more. And 
uh, after about an hour, I hadn't taken a breath and all this time had passed and, and I was still blabbing away and Angus is tapping on his watch going, Dave, you got to go, man. <laughs> wait, wait, I've got more to say. <laughs> so, um, for someone thought, who thought it was um, embarrassing and I should be ashamed to try and get professional support, uh, I really, you know, it, it felt so good just getting things off my chest, uh, things that I... Things that probably had been turning over my head for weeks and months with no solution uh, and as, as I talked about what was going on and uh, sort of let my guard down all the words as they came out sort of fell into place and uh, and Angus yeah he didn't have to um, jump all over me with coping strategies and solutions uh, straight away uh, he just had to make me feel open free to talk as much as I wanted without judgment so uh, you know I'll always be thankful that um, that, you know, Freddie suggested that uh, I take really good care of myself and let me know it's okay to, to not be okay. I'll always be thankful um, for myself, I guess, of letting my guard down and and, uh, and and accepting that support or pursuing that support. And I'll always be thankful of Angus uh, for uh, making me feel warm and welcome and comfortable. The next year I went on and played for the Maroons and, and for Australia and um, I, I don't think it's any coincidence you know, that investment I made into my mental health such had such great impacts um, in my performance on the field. Uh, not only was I happier off the field, but I was playing some great footy after that as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think of that now uh, in my job uh, in the workplace. And I think how many managers can have those conversations uh, with their employees. And, you know, not only do they want the best for their employees as human beings, like Freddie did with me, uh, but they also want their employees to come into work thriving, you know, to, to get rid of that baggage like I had to do um, so they can perform optimally. They can function better as a team, represent that brand as best they can. Uh, so, um, you know, that, that's a lot of my drive of, of why I'm an advocate in this space is if we can normalise these conversations and take the stigma out of it, uh, if we can put a practical approach to it, then, um, you know, humans as humans uh, are better off. Uh, humans as employees, they uh, perform better and organisations will flourish as well. So I think it's a win-win all around, hopefully. Yeah, I'm definitely an advocate of creating a safe space for people to, you know, feel comfortable that they can walk into a manager's office and, you know, speak openly and not be judged. Um, so, yeah, fantastic work that you're doing out there. What's inspiring you at the moment? Oh, you know, I have so many conversations with people who take control, I guess, of their well-being, take proactive steps uh, uh, to be in a better place. And we all know that uh, success doesn't happen overnight. It rarely does unless you get lucky. You know, we need to chip away at things and, and build on it. We need to commit to it. Um, sometimes we can only start with the smallest little changes, the smallest little hurdles or mountains to sort of conquer. And over time, we get stronger at that. We come, become mentally fitter and, uh, and those bigger tasks become smaller ones and uh, we can take on a whole lot more uh, than we used to. So, yeah, I think just having conversations with so many people about the things that they're doing, different mantras they're adopting, different um, activities they do every morning or evenings, things like just simple things like practicing gratitude and, and shifting that mindset from uh, being you know, a negative one that picks out all these things in the world that people are doing wrong, things we don't have, things we wish we have, to having that mindset where, you know what, I've got this beautiful coffee on my hand right now and I'm really appreciating it. Even, even if that seems, you know, a bit lame or simple for some people, um, for others, you know, it, it's hard to appreciate the small things from day to day. 
so I guess, yeah, hearing those um, positive stories of, of people um, taking ownership of the well-being with little changes, yeah, makes me really excited. Mm, that's great. You know, that gratitude, being grateful mm. is, is, a, is a fantastic um, start to the day. So what's, what's ahead for you now over the, what, what, are, your, what are your aspirations? What, where are you heading? Yeah, we, we developed a, a series of uh, mental skills training programs. Uh, so um, as I mentioned, just like our physical fitness, um, if we wanted to run a marathon, we can um, get a coach, a program, an accountability buddy, a training group. Uh, if we sleep well, eat well, uh, and chip away over time, we're going to become a lot fitter physically. Maybe we can run a marathon down the track. Uh, so it's the same with our emotional capacity too. If we want to become more resilient, there's activities we can do. Some of them take one minute per day, some of them 10 minutes per day. Um, the same as the tr physical training, the more you put in, the more you'll get out. And over time, if we commit to it, we're going to become uh, much stronger as a person. So um, that's what I'm really passionate about is uh, not just, I guess, normalising those conversations and but also giving people something to do. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll launch those programs um, in different capacities and different areas and workplaces and schools and sporting clubs. And I think it's something individuals can do by themselves if they want to. It's something they can do at home. I know I do it with my wife and my kids around the dinner table. A bit of fun. We have a bit of a laugh. It's not, you know, it's not just about talking about your emotions or anything like that. Just simple things like with my wife, we talk about some of the funny things our kids did this week or some of the cutest things about them, you know, like that. And, and not only does it help shift our mindset into a more positive one, uh, but it's great for my wife and I, our connection with each other. So, yeah, whether you do it by yourself uh, or in your relationships or in the workplace, um, there's plenty to be done there. And um, that's what I'm really excited about the future. That's, that's fantastic. Um, I know that we were... When we were bringing our kids up, we made sure that we sat around the dinner table. And as you said at the beginning, I'm, I'm no spring chicken, so there weren't the distractions of the mobile phones around the dinner table. But we have a, we have a you know, when I take, when I go to dinner with my children, they're all adults now, we, we have a rule that um, the first person to look at their phone pays the bill. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how, um, you know, their behaviour changes. Dave, thanks very much. Really appreciate the um, the time you've taken. I just got one more question. What are you What are you curious about at the moment? I I love just finding out how to connect with people around mental health conversations. I really want to reach those hard to reach types. I I really enjoy that challenge. And uh, just last week, actually, in the morning on the Wednesday in the morning. I delivered to uh, an executive leadership team, the CEO and CFO and so on of this company. And in the afternoon, I delivered to a group of 18 to 20 year olds uh, who had um, dropped out of school a bit early and trying to be upskilled for, um, for their next career, I guess, and were, were struggling a bit. Uh, so it was a real challenge for me to see how I could relate um, to both um, personality types, I guess, and people at really different stages in their lives. Uh, so, yeah, for me, um, I love those engagements. I'm really curious to see uh, where people are at, um, uh, how they engage with me, how to connect with them best, how to inspire them. And that's what, um, that's what really excites me is that skill of being relatable. Dave Shellington, thanks very much. Really appreciate the time. We'll, we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, Dave. Thanks again to Dave Shellington, the CEO of The Wellbeing Code. The nugget of gold for me in this interview was how Brad Freddie Fittler, Dave's 
coach at the Roosters, took the time to care about Dave, noticed that there was something going on for Dave, and by example, showed that it was okay to be vulnerable. In fact, it's a strength. And once you can trust yourself, the opportunities present themselves. Dave went on to play for the Maroons and uh, and Australia and is now contributing in such a powerful way to creating a safe mental space in the workplace. I encourage you to reach out to Dave to see how he can support you in your business. If this interview raised any concerns for you or anyone in your life, there is professional help available. Mental Health Australia has a list of resources available depending on your situation, and there are links to that website in the show notes. Again, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Dave Shillington and his inspiring story. And if you'd like to hear more of the same, all you need to do is subscribe and you'll never miss out. I've created the Scale to Success system to help business owners just like you to create a business and life that meets your life's purpose and objectives. The deep dive analysis and the intentional roadmap are a tried and proven process ready for you to implement. To find out more and how I can help you navigate your way to success, you can contact me through our website and all the socials. There are also plenty of additional resources on our website at www.inspiringbusiness.net. Thank you for listening to the Inspiring Business Podcast, and my wish is to inspire and energize you so you can make a positive impact on your and others' lives.